and uh, got lots to, we're, got, we're going to look at several scriptures, if you know me, this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 23 and John chapter 10, and I just want to take a few moments and talk about, um, I'm kind of kicking off harvest time today, even though it's not October yet. Next Sunday will be October the 1st, and um, you know, I'm just going to kind of do a little bit of housekeeping before we get into the Word here for just a second. But we're, next month, as you know, if you come to Harvest Fellowship Church, what we do is every October, we have harvest time. And every Sunday, we have a guest speaker. Instead of doing like a, you know, a series of meetings on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, or whatever, we just do it on a Sunday morning, but we have a guest minister each Sunday. And this year, in the Hebrew year, we talked about this last Sunday, this is the Hebrew year 5784, and what that means is... Uh, the Jewish calendar, the Hebrew calendar, what that means is, is this is the year of the open door. And um, we're open doors, uh, plural. And our main scripture is Revelation 3.8. And this is where the Lord says, I see what you've done now. See what I've done. I've opened a door no one can slam shut. You don't have much strength. I know that. You used what you had to keep my word. You don't deny me. When times were rough, Revelation 3.8. And that's what's on our harvest time. That's kind of our theme scripture for this year because this is the year of the open door. Next Sunday, Luke Ward's going to be here. Our very own um, son of Harvest Fellowship Church is going to be here bringing the message. You don't want to miss next Sunday. And uh, I, I talked to Mark and Carrie, and we were talking about when he was a little bitty baby, and one time when he started babbling, and he saw me one time, and he just started babbling at me, and I looked at him, and I said, this little guy's going to be a preacher one day, and here it is. Yes. You know, how old is Luke now? Put you on the spot. <laughs> 24, 24 years old. So, so 24 years later, I put Carrie on the spot, put Mama on the spot. 24 years later, uh, that word of God's came to pass, and he is a preacher. And he's going to be bringing the word. And here's the deal. Jade and I, I'm just I'm doing housekeeping. Jade and I cannot be the, here that Sunday because Jada's family is having a family reunion, so we're going to be gone. That Sunday, I'm just telling you. So, but I also know who shows up and who don't. Okay. <laughs> I check in, and uh, and then the next Sunday, uh, October the eighth, is Ty Barker. He's no stranger to Harvest Fellowship Church. Uh, played baseball with Ty Barker. He's a great guy, great minister. Um, he he's a pastor. He's on staff at Victory Christian Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's going to be here that Sunday. I'm going to say this again. Jade and I will not be here that Sunday. Because the church uh, for our, um, y'all don't know this, but I'm telling you now, for pastor appreciation, y'all are sending us to Prophecy Watchers in Norman, Oklahoma to learn about prophecy. And yeah, so I appreciate y'all's help for doing that. So we're going to be gone for, there's a little conference that they're having in Norman for that. And so we're going to be gone. Ty knows that. He's upset because I, I don't get to take him to Simon's Catch. Somebody else does. And then October the 15th is Amy Downey, is a girl, a girl that I graduated with, Mark and I did. Um, she oversees a Jewish ministry. She lives in New York now, and it's amazing how God opens doors to her like one-on-one -on -one, uh, to minister to Jewish people. But she also, um, and there's a lot of Jewish people in New York, but her ministry, excuse me, her ministry is teaching the local church how to minister to Jewish people and that they come first according in God's word. And she'll be here sharing us some, some things about that and about her ministry. 
The 22nd, Cammie Cantu, she's no stranger here. Uh, she'll be here. She's from Faith Center Church in Sulphur, Oklahoma. She, she's a prophetess. She always brings a right now word. You'll be blessed by her ministry. And then I'm going to wrap it all up on October the 29th. And so that's kind of harvest time for this year. So I'm looking forward to that. So we're starting off today, though. I'm going to be the bookends. Can I be the, be the front bookend and the back bookend? All right. And so I'm going to kick it off with the word today based on this year being 5784 that this is the year of the open door. And, and so I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 23 and John chapter 10 if you haven't already. And we're going to look at John chapter 10 verses 1 through 10. And I just basically the, the whole summary of this message is this. I want you guys to know who the door is, and the door is Jesus. Don't ever forget that. We're going to be saying this word a lot throughout this year from October to next October. This is the year of the open door. You know, and I want you to believe God to open up doors for you, whatever that door is that you're needing open, that you're knocking on. Keep knocking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, and that door shall be open. Amen? But I don't want you to forget who the door really is. The door is Jesus. And so this is John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, and this is Jesus speaking. And I, I studied this and been thinking about this all week, um, preparing for this. And uh, I'm telling you, I saw some things that I've never seen before. I've read this a lot. You, if you've been in church any length of time, you've heard this, you've read it. Uh, this is one of the I am statements of Jesus. Actually, it's the third I am statement of Jesus in the Gospel of John um, where he's, he t talks about who he is, I am, and so he is the door, I am the door. And so that's what we're going to read today in John chapter 10. I, and I saw some things in here that I want to share with you guys that I've never seen before. And so this is John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Verse 1 says, Most assuredly, and this is Jesus speaking, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as the thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. So Jesus said to them again, he explains it. Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who, who, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And everybody said, Amen. That's John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, about Jesus talking about how he is the door. And what I want to explain real quick is when we read that, we really don't understand it because we're not Jewish people. We're not in their culture. In their culture, the, the men, Jewish men, most, a lot of them were shepherds. That was their, they, they were a very agrarian society, agriculture. And so they had shepherds. And what Jesus was saying... And he goes on to say in verse 11 that he is the shepherd too. He's not only the door, he's the shepherd of the sheep. And he's, he's talking about there whenever, whenever a shepherd 
uh, was, came to a village, um, he'd have to put up his sheep for the night, okay? And so that he would go to a local stable, put his sheep up. There'd be a guy there that would take care of the sheep while he was gone. He would come back in the morning and call for his sheep. And the sheep, there might be several other shepherds' sheep mixed in with his sheep, but whenever he called for his sheep, the sheep knew his voice and the sheep followed him out of that little opening. So that's one of the things that Jesus is explaining there. The other thing that happened whenever they were able to go to, from village to village with their sheep, with their herds. Now, a lot of times the shepherds weren't able to make it to a village, so they had to sleep out in the wilderness with their sheep. That's why the shepherds smelled like sheep. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they smelled really good. And, by the way, sheep are not the smartest animals on the planet. And I'm just going to tell you right now who the Lord uh, says that we are. We're sheep, and we need a shepherd. We're not that smart without him. Amen. We need, the, we need the Lord in our lives. And in fact, one of the things that when the Psalms 23 that we're going to read here in a little bit, where it says he leads them beside the still waters, the reason for that is sheep don't drink running water because they'll drown. So they have to drink still water. Uh, not that still water this way, you know, still water. Okay. Yeah, I worked on that one all week. Sorry, sorry, Hank. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say any more, okay? Because, yeah, yesterday was not a good football day for them. Um, but anyway, so the shepherd, what he would do when he was out in the wilderness, uh, when it became nightfall, he would herd his sheep into a pen that he made himself. And this pen was usually made out of rocks or um, brush, like brush pile, made it in like in a little circle, little circle, but he always left a little opening for the sheep to come in and out of. And, in, in, and so to protect them at night, keep the wolves out, the prey out, and all that, predators out. But the shepherd, if he was a good shepherd, he slept at the entrance of that, of that little makeshift pen, and he was the door. He, he, kept the, he kept them in safe. He kept them safe. He protected them, but he kept them safe from predators as well. And so Jesus is telling them, I'm the door, and I'm the shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And so that's so good. It's such a beautiful, I was telling Jade on the way to work this morning, or the way to work, the way to church this morning, is I just, I just love how the Lord uses that analogy of him being the shepherd and we're the sheep and how he takes care of us and loves us. And so there's, there's, if you're taking notes this morning, there's three things that I want to give you from this passage. And the first one is this. And, you, and <laughs> as soon as I put this screen up there, you're going to say, Mark, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to say, dirty dirt. Okay, but Jesus is the only way to God. Yeah. And there's a reason why I need to tell you that today is because there's a lot of people that don't believe that. And there's a lot of people, believe it or not, that are sitting in churches that don't believe that. Jesus is the only way to God the Father. There's a lot of people today that assume that a relationship with God, they can assume a relationship with God without a conscious and deliberate faith in Christ. You can't do that. You can't, you, to have a relationship with the Father God, you've got to go through the door. And the door is Jesus. He is the only door. All right. So let me, let me just share some things that the door is not. If you ever, because I feel like I'm, I'm preaching to the choir this morning, okay? So I'm teaching you some things as you go out into this world that you can share with others, okay? Because there's a religion out here in the world today, in our society, is a religion of pluralism, meaning that there's many paths that lead to God. There's only one. 
only one door. There might be many paths to get to that door. There's only one door to the Father, and that's through Jesus. So let me tell you what the door is not, because I've even had some, even Christian people that's been in church for 30, 40 years think that the door is this, and this is not the door. Look at somebody say, the door is Jesus. I hope you get that. I hope you never forget that, okay, because that is the door, and you have to go through that door if you're going to come to the Father. The door is not a lot of things. The door is not baptism, even though that door is important. After you go through the first door, which is Jesus, your next step is following the Lord in water baptism. That's not the door. In fact, if you just go through that door and you don't go through Jesus, you're just getting wet. Okay? The door is not observing the sacraments or communion. If you don't go through the door, which is Jesus... You're just drinking some grape juice and eating a cracker, okay? The door is not just making a profession of faith in some kind of public way. Ooh, has there been a lot of people do that? I think there has been, but only God knows the heart and if they actually went through that door. If they're just making a profession of faith, they're just blowing a lot of hot air if they haven't went through that door. Everybody with me? It's getting quiet in here. The door is not acceptance by the church, I've had some people say, well, my letter, my letter, my letter is at that church. I don't care where your letter's at. Your letter doesn't mean squat in heaven. Yeah. If your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you have to have went through the door, not having a letter at a church. Everybody said? There's a lot of people today, and I'm going to say this, and this is going to kick some sacred cows this morning. There's a lot of people that worship denominations, and they don't worship God. And they, because they've never went through the door. They worship the name over the door or their denomination. The door is certainly not your good works or your good deeds. That don't get us into heaven. That's a product of salvation. That's a product of going through the door that God starts working on you and you start producing good works and good deeds, but that's not what gets you through the door. The door is not your family. You're not born into Christianity by being born into a Christian home. I don't care if great-grandma's got her name plaqued on the pew. That doesn't get you through the door. And that happens in a lot of churches. Amen. And thank God for it. Thank God for the generational blessings handed down. But that don't get you through the door. What gets you through the door is your own faith in Jesus. The door is Christ himself, and Jesus is the way to God. Jesus is the way to the Father. And what I've just shared with you, even though we all are sitting here saying amen and we're shaking our heads and all and everything, when you go out into this world, this is a very controversial subject in our society because our society worships pluralism. We may not have a whole, you know, all the gods like they had in Egypt and all that, but there's a whole lot of gods out there that people are worshiping. And there are many, and and there's people that believe that there are many paths and ways to God. And I'm here to tell you today, Jesus is the only way and Jesus is the door. And I'm just going to give you a few scriptures to go with this. John 14, verse 6. This is another I am statement in the Gospel of John. And this is Jesus himself again. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here he says it. No one comes to the Father except through me. I could stop there, but I'm going to keep reading a few more scriptures. Acts 4, 12. This is the Apostle Peter. And he says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the door. 
Here's one that the Apostle John said, the Apostle of Love, and this is pretty strong. He says, he who, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. I don't want the wrath of God. In fact, Jesus was the one that took your wrath at the cross. So we're all straight on salvation, right? A lot of people just camp right there, and that's all they hear for 30 or 40 years sitting in church. Every Sunday it's salvation, salvation, salvation. I'm not, I'm not watering down salvation. Thank God for it. The first thing you've got to do is walk through the door and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He is the door. He is the entrance into eternal life. But once you come inside and you're in Christ, you've made it through the door and you're in Christ, the next thing that he wants you to do is he wants you to start growing. Look at somebody, you need to start growing. He doesn't want you to stay on the bottle all your life. Amen? You know, there's been a process of, of watching our grandkids grow up, and Jada, every day, almost daily, or Jada or Tails send me, I love the Facebook memories when they pop up of what they, you know, when they look like a little baby and they had their bottle. Now he's four years old, okay? If he still had his bottle, something's wrong. Yeah. Amen? Something's wrong. We need to, we need to, and, and I'm just using that as a type and shadow analogy of what's going on in the body of Christ. There's a lot of people sitting in the church for 30 and 40 years. They ought to be growing up, but they're still sitting on the, you know, in the pew holding their bottle. They don't look right, right? And, and there's more to it than just salvation, all right? There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's all kinds of things that God wants to teach us in his word. He it's not just fire insurance. He wants you to have a blessed life here. And so there's things he wants to teach you. And so here's number two, and I'm going to spend a little time on this this morning, is the privileges we receive when we enter through Jesus. And this is in John 10, verse 9. And let me go back to John 10, verse 9, where Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. We just talked about that, right? Saved. And we're going to talk about just a little bit more in just a second. Then it says, and he will... This, is, this just jumped out at me. And he will go in, and he will go out. What in the world does that mean? And then he will find pasture. So there's four things. I see the wealthy sitting here, and I can't remember which one it was. It was Tyler, I think. They used to call me Pasture Mark. Pasture Mark. <laughs> so go, you, be saved, go in and out, and find pasture. All right? So those are, there's four things there that he's, when he says, I'm the door, the first thing is salvation most important thing that can happen to you. But then he says, I want to teach you how to go in and go out and find pasture. All right, everybody with me? All right, here's number one, Jesus the only way to God. We already read all those. Now here's number two. Now here's the, the thing. John, John says that uh, Jesus said the first thing that's going to happen when you walk through that door is you're going to be saved when you accept me as your Lord and Savior. I am the door. I'm the only way the Father. I'm going to read you something out of John chapter 3, and most of us in here can quote John chapter 3, verse 16. And I did not uh, put these up on the PowerPoint, so I wrote them there so you can write them down and you can look them up later. John chapter 3, verse 16, says this, and we'll read down to verse 18. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him you might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, which is Jesus. 
So here's the first thing I want you to know. When you get saved, the first thing that God wants to eradicate out of your life is condemnation and guilt. And it's one of the tools of the enemy to beat you up with your past. And I want you to take this word and say, no, devil, I am saved. I've been saved. What, you know, you, people walk around and say, well, I'm saved. Well, what are you saved from? You know, we're saved from sin. You know, we're saved from death, hell, and the grave. Yeah, all those things. You're saved from condemnation. That's what the word says. You're saved from condemnation and guilt. The reason why? Jesus took that at the cross. So anytime the enemy tries to bring up your past, you bring up the cross. I was saved. All that was hung on the cross with Jesus. I'm saved. So that's, that's real simple there. And that's, and, but that's where a lot of people stay at in life. And I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt and the cap, where the enemy just keeps beating you up, beating you up, and beating you up because, and using condemnation and guilt to do it. And what happens is, is you're, you're never a threat to the kingdom of darkness when he's got you like that. But when you can start realizing, God wants you to know you're saved. I've met people that's been in church for 30 and 40 years, and they don't know they're saved. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're doing something wrong. God wants you to know that you're saved. God wants his spirit to bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. And when that happens, that is freeing. I can, I can, I can still remember the day when that finally happened. But I used to be the one that go to church, and I'd hear a message like this, and I'm like, gosh, I'm going to hell. i got to get saved again today. And I was the one who'd get saved every week. I'd get baptized every week if they'd let it happen. And I'd get saved every week. And, I, and finally, the Lord began to teach me, Mark, you're saved, son. You're saved. You've came through the door. I've accepted you. You're saved. You're saved. Get rid of that condemnation and guilt. Read John chapter 3, verse 16. And read a little bit further, not just 16. Look what I saved you from. And everybody said, amen. All right. Here's the next two things is go in and go out. Go in and go out. And when I read that, I was like, I've seen that in Scripture before. I've read Scripture. And so, aren't you glad your pastor reads Scripture? Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so I've, I was like, I've read that before, this go in and go out. Go in and go out. So I, so I started doing a word search on that. And here's what I found out. I'm just going to put this up there real simply. Um, what go in means is worship and rest. Okay? You know how to go into God's presence and praise and worship him and seize from your works and just rest. And then you go out. And when you go out is when you're a witness to the world. Now, you, may not, you don't have to you know, thump them over the head with your Bible and do all those kind of... Just with your lifestyle, you can be a witness. Amen? But when you go out, it's also warfare. Too. So when you go in the presence of God, you're, getting, you're building yourself up, you're building up inner strength, your spirit man, so that you can go out and, sh and let your light shine. You're going to be salt and light to the, in the earth, but you're also going to have, there's, we're in a spiritual war. So there's going to be some warfare that goes on too. And so we're going we're to talk about that here in just a second. And then the fine pasture is God wants to lead you to green pastures so that you're going to grow spiritually. And those are the two scriptures we're going to read about that. All right. Now, before we get into the go in and go out, there's something else I need to say about saved is when I was talking about condemnation, and that's like Christianity 101 is getting over the condemnation and guilt. But I'm going to tell you something. The enemy's been using this for eons. He's very good at it. Very good at his craft. 
But you have, so you've got to renew your mind according to the word and be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove and know how to overcome him. You have been saved. You have been washed by the blood of the lamb. There's no, no more condemnation and no more guilt. And everybody said amen to that. Now, here's what salvation is. There's saved, when you say I am saved, there's actually three tenses of being saved. There's past tense, present tense, and future tense, and I'm going to explain that to you. Past tense, when you walk through the door and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have been saved. Okay, Condemnation and guilt's gone. When you walk through that door, the word for it, the big word in Scripture, and you can look this up later, is justification. You have been justified before God, not because of you, but because of the blood of the Lamb that's upon you. All right, so you've been justified. That's past tense. You're saved. There's also a present tense of salvation, which we're all in right now. If you're alive and breathing and you're saved, this is where you're at right now. Present tense of salvation is called sanctification. We are progressively coming to understand the riches of salvation. I believe we'll be spending all of eternity learning that. We're going to gr- we are growing into our experience of God's grace, and we are being delivered progressively from the power of sin operating in our lives, and we're overcoming sinful habits and sinful patterns and those kind of things. That's what's going on in sanctification. That's the present tense of salvation. It means the Holy Spirit's working on you. You're partnering with the Holy Spirit. It means you're better than you were yesterday. You're better than a year ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you have lapses? Oh, yeah. Sometimes we do, you know. We can just, but it doesn't, it doesn't make you not saved, right? You just got to get hooked back up with the Lord. So that's present tense. The future tense is glorification, and I can't wait for that. Because that's the day that we're going to be changed into his image. We're going to get our new heavenly bodies. Everybody ready for that? I'm ready for that one. All right. Here's the go in and the come out. This is where, this is where we're at, guys. Um, if you're alive and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what he wants to teach you how to do is how to go in and how to go out. How to go into God's presence, how to come out of God's presence. But here's the deal. You never come out of God's presence, you just take God's presence with you. Yes. You come into the presence of God, you take his presence with you. Yes. You go into the presence of God, you take his presence with you. You go into the presence of God being a mama, and you, you pray, and you, and you worship God, and you come out being a mama, because you got teenagers in the house, and you need God's presence. Yes. Amen? Or you have toddlers. My, my, my daughter's with toddlers, and I keep telling her, honey, this season will be over and rejoice in it. It's an awesome season. And she's like, Dad, they're about to kill me. <laughs> and I was like, worship God, honey. Get in these presents and come back out so you have that grace to deal with them. Amen? Uh, I'll never forget it. This is funny, but um, there's a, there was a little boy that attends our church, and uh, it's, it's Jackson Welty's who it is. And when he was little, he saw me walking in our neighborhood. He lived by me when we lived here in, in Leedy. And he saw me out walking one day, and I was walking, and he looks at me. He's on a trampoline, and I can tell he's, he's waving at me, and he's, I can tell he's a little mind. He's trying to think who I am, my, my first name. And he finally stops, and he goes, Hey, 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 church man. <laughs> I've told him, I, I kid him to this day, but I was like, I'm going to give me a T-shirt that says church man on it. There was another young, and it's, it's my ear's son, Tristan, when he was a little guy. He saw me at Red Johnson Ford one day because that's where I was working at. I've always kind of been bivocational as a pastor here. And I was working one day, and he, he, he came to Red Johnson Ford, and he walked up, and he saw me, and he just looked at me real funny. He goes, why ain't you at church? <laughs> you know? I share those stories is because 
We need to learn how to come into church and worship God and get filled up with his presence and then go back out. There, there are times that I just want to come to church and live here and camp out here and never have to face the world. Yes. Just sit here with 24-7 worship on and just worship God and, and all my bills get paid and, you know, and, and life just is grand and my marriage is great, my kids are great and everything's just going and the church is great and I just stay here until next Sunday until y'all show back up yes. and we worship and I don't ever have to go back out there. But that's not life. Jesus knows that. So we got to learn how to come into the presence of God, worship, and go back out. Worshiping. We go back out worshiping too, but we go back out to be witnesses, and that's where the warfare is at and all those things. So I'm going to show you this principle, and I, I sh I've got a lot of scripture up there, so I'm gonna, I've got them marked in my Bible that I'm going to turn to. You might want to write them down, but I'm going to turn to them pretty quick so I can read it to you so you understand. Because like I said, when I was studying this, I was like, I've, I've read that phrase I know before when I've been studying the Word, and it's all through Scripture. It's all through the Old Testament and the New Testament. And actually, if you want to know, and I'm going to read them to you, but I'm going to show you that really what this is, that go in and come out, it's really a military term. It's actually a warfare term, that they knew how to come in and to go out. So 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, it says this, At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon, this is Solomon's prayer, in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what shall I give you? Most of you know this story. When God appeared to him, said, ask what you want to give. We all know that he's, pretty much all of us know, he asked for wisdom. For, well, here's the deal. Wisdom for what? Now, keep reading. Verse 6 says, And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Verse 7, here's the wisdom, what they was asking for. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child, and I do not know how to go in. I do not know how to go out or come in, is what he said. He said, Lord, I need wisdom, but I need wisdom like my daddy had on how to go in and go out. All right, let's keep, let's keep going. We're going to look at another scripture, Numbers chapter 27. Numbers chapter 27, verses 15 through 17. Everybody learning something this morning? Yes. Numbers 27, verse 15 through 17. We're going to learn how to go in and come out. Go in and go out. It says in verse uh, 15, it says, Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep, which have no shepherd. And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hands on him, so there it is. It's in Numbers chapter uh, fifteen, verses uh, Numbers chapter twenty-seven, verses fifteen through eighteen. Now jump over to Deuteronomy chapter thirty-one, verses one through two. I'm just wanting you to see this in Scripture, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Deuteronomy thirty-one, verses one through two says, "Then Moses went and spoke to those words, these words to all of Israel, and he said to them, I am a hundred and twenty years old today.'" I can no longer go out and come in. No doubt. If you're 120, you can't go in and come out anymore. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. So there it is with Moses. Now jump back to uh, chapter 28, verse 6, and this is the blessings of obedience. And it says here in Deuteronomy 28, verse 6, Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. There it is again. Everybody seeing the go in and come out? Yeah. I got a few more scriptures to give you. 
All right, go to Joshua, Joshua chapter 14, verse 11. And here it is again. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. This is Caleb talking. Just as my strength was taken, so now is my strength for war, for both for going out and for coming in. There's Caleb saying it again. 1 Samuel 18. All right, you're going to get this by the time I read all these scriptures. I think you're going to get it by the time I get done reading all these scriptures. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 12 through 16. It says, Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people, because David was a great leader. In verse 14 it says, And David behaved wisely in all of his ways, and the Lord was with him. Verse 15 says, Therefore when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, because he went out and he came in before them. He was a good shepherd. Acts chapter 9 we're going to see this in the, in the New Testament, Acts chapter 9. Let me jump over there real quick. Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 28. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. Verse 27 says, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So when he was with them at Jerusalem, this says what he was doing. The Apostle Paul was coming in and going out. Coming in and going out. Now I want to show you the dangers of not going in and going out. Okay? And this is 2 Samuel. If you turn back to 2 Samuel chapter 11. This was the downfall of David. David was a king. He, under, he was the shepherd of Israel. He understood how to go in and go out. But there was one day that he did not go out. And when he did not go out, this is what happened. In verse, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, it says, It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings, what do they do? It says they go out. Everybody say go out. They go out to battle. That David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. And then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. And we all know that story. And the reason why that happened is because David didn't go out. He was a king. He was supposed to came in the presence of God, get worship and rest, but he, he should have went back out because he didn't. He had a fall, fell into adultery. I heard one, one pastor did a message on that, and he said, on the balcony with a pair of binoculars. That's a joke, all right? It's a, yeah, it's probably not too. But that's what happens. When you're, not, when you're not doing what the Lord says, and you start getting complacent in your walk with God, and you start thinking you got it all figured out, and you can shepherd your own life, and God, I've been doing this for 30 or 40 years, and I'm okay. I don't have all the sins that everybody else has, and I'm, I'm all right with you. And I'm sure that's what was going on in David's life. David, in fact, Dave, I, Dave's like, I got such a big army now, I don't have to go out and lead them. They're going to fight for me anyway, God. And so I'm just going to stay home. Boom. That's when pride comes before fall. Yeah. Pride comes before fall. And that was what was going on. In, that was just a little snapshot of what was going on in David's heart. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You go in and you go out and you find pasture and... 
Psalms 23 is one of the most beautiful things because what God wants you to do is he, he wants to feed you. And he wants to feed you the good things in life. But here's what I also know about the Lord. He also knows that in this world you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer, he's overcome the world. Man, you're going to have things happen that you didn't sign up for. Amen. And, but, what God's telling, telling us all this morning, if you'll stay hooked up with me as your shepherd, I'll lead you beside the still waters, and I'll lead you to green pastures. Some of the times we want to ask that, why, why God? You know, why everything was going so good, and, you know, and I felt like I was in a lush green pasture with you, Lord, and then all of a sudden it was like it was just jerked out from underneath of me. And that's where you have, that's where trust and faith really comes in. I love the blessings of God, and God doesn't want to bless his children, but I also know this, faith works when things are not going right. That's where faith really, where the rubber meets the road. And in Psalms 23, it says, and this is King David that wrote this, he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There it is, the warfare. You may anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's Psalms 23. I'll never forget there was a time where things were just, Jade and I, we got married, we had two beautiful children, things were just going great. We were plugged into a church. God had called me in the ministry. Uh, and I was just, we had a new home in Elk City. Um, everything was just going great. And most of you know this story if you've read our book, Hope Beyond Brokenness. And when our son Jaden went home to be with the Lord in 1998 at the age of 18 months, and it was like, a, like the, you know, I, felt, I was in a lush green pasture, and like one day and the next day it's gone. And uh, I can remember my Aunt Paulita was here last Sunday, and it made me think of this as I was studying this this week. Um, during that time, my Aunt Paulita gave me a scripture, and she just said, Mark, I, and she gave it to me when we was at the hospital, and um, she, during the four days that we were with Jaden in the hospital, and she gave it to me, and I, and I just, I put, I, I remember reading it after she gave it to me, and I was like, man, I, that not, I mean, you know, when, when you're in shock and somebody gives you scripture right then, um, it just don't make a hill, I mean, it doesn't mean nothing at that moment. And that didn't mean anything to me. And I was just like, I'm, I, I just, I, I'm putting that on the shelf right now. I don't even know what that means. And thankfully, I did put it on the shelf and didn't forget about it. And I put it on the shelf, and I remember going back to it several times. And I kept saying, Lord, I, you know, I love my Aunt Paulita. And she was so moved that day when she gave me that scripture. And I knew the Holy Spirit was, I just knew the Holy Spirit was speaking through my Aunt Paulita to me that day. And I said, but God, I need understanding of this, of this scripture that you're trying to tell me. And this is the scripture, Colossians 2, verses 6 through 7. It says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. I'm like, well, I'm not very thankful right now, Lord. And, um, and that was when the Lord was beginning to teach me about the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving and everything. But what the Lord spoke to me through this scripture was, Mark, you've went through the door. You've went through Jesus. You're saved. And now you're learning how to go in and go out and find green pastures. And you've been going in and going out, and you had found green pastures. But you're going to have to continue to walk in me because there's more pastures I'm going to take you to. 
And so that was that. So walk in him. And so what the Lord was encouraging me through that, right then and there, I had a, I had a choice to make, and I knew it, my free will, that God had given me a free will. Either I'm going to stay hooked up with the Lord, and I'm going to keep going through his door, going in and out, or I'm going to go my own way. And then and there, thank God, I made the right choice. And I said, I'm staying hooked up with God. I don't understand this. I didn't sign up for this. But I'm, and I still don't. Still don't. That happened by 1998. Still don't. But I'm staying hooked up with God because one day my faith is going to be made sight and I'm going to get to see my little boy again. Yes. And so, this, so guys, I'm, I just want to share that story with you because some of you in here have been th- going through some things and I'm just telling you, don't throw in the towel. Stay hooked up with the Lord. Keep going through that door. Keep going in and out. He's got, if, that, if that pasture that you're on right now dried up and it went away, he's got another pasture. I promise. He's got some more still waters he can lead you to. Let him be the shepherd. Don't you try to lead your own life. And everybody said amen. And he said in verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So keep walking with the Lord. If you're going through stuff right now, all I can tell you right now, I just encourage you, keep walking with him. He'll lead you through it. And here's the last, the last one point today that I want to ask all of us in here. Have you really opened the door? Because what I have found in my life, I've met some people that think they opened the door, and I don't think they really have. And that's, that's scary. And I know I'm not the judge, and I'm not the critic or anything like that, but I, I think there's a lot of people that I said earlier that are worshiping their church letter, they're worshiping their church denomination, they're worshiping, you know, whatever it is, but they really haven't ever opened the door. They really never have opened the door to Jesus. And, and guys, it's not a, it, you know, you need a church family, yes, but it's, it's a, it all comes down to, did you really walk through that door? Did you really accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And so I want to I share a story with you that I found that pretty much sums this up. And then I'm going to read a scripture to you. And it's, this is an awesome story. It's an auction story. So it's a wonderful story about this old gentleman and his son who loved art. And they loved to collect art, and they were building this collection together. He was a wealthy man, and so he had money to spend. And he and his son would travel around the country and around the world purchasing these rare portraits and paintings and wonderful masterpieces. They had things like Picassos and Van Goghs and Monet's and this wonderful collection of art worth millions of dollars. Of course, the joy for this father was that he got to do this with his son. He was a widower. This was his only son. The son's mother had passed, and he loved his son so much, and he loved that this thing that they shared together, and they were buying these pieces together. Then one of the wars happened, one of the world wars, I think it was, and his son enlisted, went off to fight overseas. Day after day, this old man prays. He's holding his breath. He's waiting for the news. He's hoping that his son will come back, and then one day there's a knock on the door, and he gets a telegram lined in black, and he finds out that his son has died in the service. And of course, he's brokenhearted and in grief. And then on Christmas morning, there's another knock on the door, and it's a soldier at the door who has a package in his hands. And when the old man unwraps it, it's a portrait that was painted of his son. Now, it's not a masterpiece. It's not the best portrait that's ever been done in the history of the world. But for the old man, it becomes his pride and his joy. It's a striking likeness of his son, and he hangs it over the mantle of his fireplace, And this is the centerpiece of his collection. And from then on, even as this old man grieves the loss of his son, 
he takes delight in the portrait of his son over the fireplace. Finally, the old man grows ill and passes away. And when he did, as the story goes, the art world was extremely interested in finally getting access to this rare collection of paintings. So an auction is held, but the first paintings up for auction is the painting or the portrait of his son, and nobody is interested in it. And the auctioneer tries to sell it for 100 pounds or $100, and no one will bid. Finally, a neighbor of the old man says, I'll bid $50 on this piece, and no one else will take it. But he knew the family, so I'll bid $50 on that piece. So he does, and the gavel falls, and it's sold. Now everybody's ready for the real auction to take place and the real art pieces to go out. And to their shock and dismay and surprise, the auctioneer says, this auction is over today. The proceedings are done, and they're stunned, dis they're stunned disbelief in the room, and they're asking, why? What do you mean it's over? And this is what he says. He says, it's very simple. According to this man's will, whoever gets the son gets it all. And I thought that was so fitting for what the Lord's trying to tell us through that Jesus is the door. If you go through the door, you get it all. You get the abundant life. You get abundant life here. Even if you go through things, God will lead you through it. And um, I'm so thankful I stayed hooked up with God. I mean, I can see now there's just a generational blessing flowing down in our family and my grandkids, and, you know, they're running around the church today worshiping God. And, uh, guys, I, please... If you haven't went through the door, go through the door. And the door is Jesus. And this is 1 John 5, verses 11 and 12. And this is what the apostle John said. He said, and this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. And he who does not have the son of God does not have life. It's that simple. I want everyone to bow your heads in here this morning. Close your eyes. And just want you to focus on you and your relationship with the Lord. And I want to lead you in a prayer of basically we're going to knock on the door together and we're going to walk through this door together and this door is Jesus and Jesus is a good shepherd. He's going to take you by your hand. He's, the Holy Spirit's going to be there as well. The Holy Spirit's going to start teaching you and training you. You don't have to get all cleaned up to come to the Lord. That comes afterwards. The Lord does that through that sanctification process that I talked about. The Holy Spirit does that. He just wants to take you by the hand. He, starts, he wants to start teaching you how to go in and how to go out and how to find pasture. And he wants to teach you about this abundant life that he wants to come and give to you today. And so I want to lead you in this prayer. And even if you are saved and you've walked through this door before and you know Jesus, I want you to repeat this prayer with him. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I believe you are the Son of God. And you died on the cross for me. And rose again on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins. And create a clean heart in me. Renew my spirit. So I can hear your voice. I accept you as my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And everybody said amen. Amen. And if that's the first time you prayed that prayer, I want you to get with me after service. Because your next door that you need to walk through is water baptism. And we can do that next Sunday, okay? I want everybody to stand up in here. If you can't stand, that's okay. You can sit as well. Jada, I want you to come up here and we're going to speak this blessing over you today. Look at somebody and say, Jesus is the door. Jesus is the door. Amen. All right. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord be gracious unto you. And may the Lord give you his peace.
May the Lord bless your going out and your coming in today. May the Lord anoint you to fulfill the divine destiny that God has given to you. May everything that is brought against you be crushed by the protection that God himself shall provide. May you be blessed in your health. May you be blessed in relationships. May your children and your children's children be blessed because they are the heritage of the righteous. From this day forward, as you submit yourselves to the Christ of the cross, may your lives be filled with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory and with peace that surpasses all understanding. May your home, as the word of God says, be as the days of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Jesus is the door. Have a blessed week. Love you guys.